everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of season three of this podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Doe, and I'm sitting here with Zobo with a shotgun. How are you doing today? I'm good. Excited to be on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we've been trying to make this happen for, for a bit, so I'm glad we can finally, finally do it. Yeah, lining up schedules is tricky. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when we live on other parts of the world, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I kind of want to just, uh, I guess, start out. I think that there is quite a bit of overlap between our fan bases, but for anyone who may not be familiar with you, can you give us kind of an overview of your work? Yeah, of course. Um, obviously, I'm a big fan of extreme horror. Um, I'm sure we're going to be talking about that a little bit today. Uh, but I'm the founder and editor-in-chief um, of Ghouls Magazine, which is an online horror magazine looking at horror, of course, all through the female perspective. Uh, we have a team of women and non-binary writers um, really, really cool. Uh, get to write and do podcasting for that as well. Um, and then maybe I'm more known for my work as Zobo with a shotgun. Um, I don't have a shotgun, sadly, but I do have a podcast um, and also do like YouTube videos about disturbing books, um, work as a freelance journalist doing various kind of articles online, audio commentaries a bit of everything really um and then more recently just launched a another podcast um so kind of turned the zobo with a shotgun podcast into our bloody obsession uh which i run with kelly gredner from uh the spinsters of horror she has another podcast called i spit on your podcast um and together we talk about extreme horror films because you know what what else is there to talk about in this world <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of want to start with the beginning uh with that. So what was it that that gravitated you towards horror in general and what's some of your earliest memories of of exploring horror films? So my first, I mean, I was always a bit of a spooky kid. Um I loved like ghost things. I was always begging my grandma to let me buy in the UK if you go to like the countryside you seem to find in weird little shops lots of kind of like witchcraft type things and then they have these book all about um real ghost stories whether they're real or not is you know up to anyone to decide but I was obsessed with them and I always got my grandma to buy me one every time we kind of like went on the road and did like a road trip I was had to stop and buy them um and they they scared me so so much they scared the hell out of me but I was like "Ooh, that seems fun um and then my dad was actually super into horror movies now he's not now he says they're the devil's work I, I don't know what happened to that man but um yeah he did love horror movies and he used to let me kind of like sit up and watch things like x-files um when my mum wasn't wasn't there and then there was one day uh, and I think it was a Halloween party and my dad said I could finally choose one of the horror movies from the shelves. Um, the first film I picked, which was a no, was Caligula. <laughs> and my parents were like, yeah, not nah, you can't watch that. I think I was about 13. Now I'm like, yeah, fair enough. It's not probably <laughs> not quite suitable. Um, so I chose The Evil Dead because... 
we had a super cool case um with like the the necronomicon and it was like squishy and it had the face on and i was like what's this super cute like squishy face thing um and yeah i watched the evil dead and it blew me away i was like this is terrifying um and then I just wanted more of it you know I, every every chance I got I was like dad please please can I watch another horror film like I want to stay up and watch it in the dark and be terrified um and then you know it goes I, I think my second kind of like big horror film that really made an impact was um it the miniseries so I hate clowns uh, but I had a sleepover with all of my friends and it was like my birthday. So I got to choose the movie and I chose that. And yeah, safe to say I did not have many sleepovers after that because no one wanted to come to my house. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, going from there, what is it that gravitated you towards the more extreme elements of horror? It was so I was at university and at that point, um. I'd obviously like found my footing with horror and I really loved and I still do found found footage horror just I think that kind of element of realism is what like frightens me the most I you know I'm not I don't get too scared by things like ghosts or supernatural elements what I'm more scared of is kind of like serial killers or things that I feel like could be real so I was super into found footage horror um, and at university I was working on an article uh, about found footage for our it was like our end of year magazine everyone had to put something in there and I was like okay what's the first found footage movie ever made and I, of course, stumbled across Cannibal Holocaust. And I was like, okay, well, this looks different. Um, bought myself a copy, put it on. And I just remember like the the credits rolling and me being like, whoa, what have I just watched? I mean, I was I was highly disturbed. I was shook to my core, but I it kicked it just kicked something off. And I was at that point, obviously I was a student, so had lots of time. I would be up at like 3 a.m. Googling like what is the most disturbing film ever made? Like, what is it? What's in it? I'd read every plot synopsis before I even watched the films. Like I wanted to, I think I just wanted to understand like how disturbing could stuff get um but cannibal holocaust is is still up there i would say yeah i mean i i definitely can relate to that cannibal holocaust was the film that kind of opened the door for me uh when it came to extreme cinema so i think that's the case for a lot of people and um yeah it's it's funny every time i meet someone and and they say that as well because that movie definitely packs a punch but it still it still holds up to this day i still think i think objectively it's a good well made film i mean there's obviously the the animal stuff but uh but diodato did do a a good job with that for sure um so what happened from you just being someone who was casually interested in um in cinema to to taking going into a direction where you actually wanted to start creating things and actually being involved on a creative level with with horror yeah I mean I've always um I studied like journalism at, at university so I was always super keen 
uh, on writing and you know kind of getting into that side of of things I think at first I I thought I would go off and be a, a war journalist um or an investigative journalist but my parents were very much against both of those ideas they were like why don't you pick something a bit safer you know where you can just sit at home and do it um so I was kind of you know for me whilst my day job I don't actually um do anything related to film I you know I work in like content and marketing but I found that when I watched these films, I was like, it's evoking so many emotions for me. How can I kind of like find a, a creative outlet to, to talk about that and to really kind of like, I guess, connect with other people as well over these films. And I just set up like a, a little blog online and I th I actually think my first film review was Spider-Man which is really upsetting but you know we all start somewhere I, I quickly evolved away from that um, and yeah I just started you know kind of looking into these extreme films and then I was like you know I at that time I didn't really know how to find other people that maybe were you know watching like tumbling dole of flesh at 2 a.m it was quite hard to find people that I was also like are they a serial killer or are they like a normal kind of person as well um and I found that through the writing one it was like a great way for me to kind of like express what I thought about these films and kind of get out on paper you know some of the <laughs> the awful things that I'd just seen but then like find a really nice way to connect with other people and start to see like the community and I was like oh wow there are you know other people that are whether they're making these films or they're talking about these films like lots and lots of other people that are really into extreme um you know and getting to then connect with those people was really really nice and then um from that from that standpoint when did you uh launch uh the ghouls magazine and and what can you tell us about that for people who aren't familiar with it yeah, we launched Ghouls Magazine. It was back in 2021. Um, so during the height of the pandemic, you know, lots of people, we all had lots of uh, spare time on our hands. Um, and me and my partner, you know, he's constantly been pushing me for a long time to to do something, you know, to kind of set something up. And over the years, I'd been very fortunate to kind of get connected with lots of um women in the horror world that were you know writing about horror but perhaps couldn't find the right outlet that kind of suited them they wanted to bring like their perspective of of having um a female viewpoint to their writing and I was like I know all of these amazing writers all of these amazing people so couldn't we all kind of like come together and build something together um so during the the pandemic you know I worked with my partner he worked on doing all the tech things because I was like well I don't know how to build a website and all of all of those things um and I kind of worked on you know what what could this look like how can I get people on board what kind of content would we be offering and obviously what's what's the difference between Ghouls Magazine and the million other amazing, you know, horror outlets that are out there. But when I started kind of like talking to um, lots of the women and non-binary people that I know, there was clearly like a bit of a need for having like this, you know, space to to talk from the female perspective. So 
yeah, just kind of launched it back in 2021. I guess I didn't really have any hopes for it. I was like, well, let's see how it goes. You know, it might, might kick off, might do nothing. Um, but it's been really well received. Now we have, I think we've got about 40 writers um with us we've got kind of like a team that do editorial social media uh you know it's all volunteer based none of us are are making any money off this we just do it because you know we we love horror and we've built like a nice little community but yeah it's 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 been i guess for me it's been really nice to be able to read um different kind of viewpoints from lots of different people and you know like I was thinking about it and for instance you know rape revenge films for a long time they were kind of portrayed as oh women hate these films because you know it's sexual violence against women and then you know working and reading a lot of um work from these women actually you know many of us find films such as rape revenge films very cathartic and I was like ah I didn't know that it's like such an interesting viewpoint and I was like that's the kind of perspective that you know ghouls is there to kind of back and push out into the world mm-hmm. uh I'm interested because because I do like as soon as I was um hearing you talk about it from the from a female's perspective or a woman's perspective um I did think about like the rape revenge genre but then I started to think about other films that uh, there's like a satisfaction with rape revenge, right? The There's justice at the end, but there are a lot of uh, films within the extreme cinema. Um, you mentioned like Tumbling Doll of Flesh, for example. Uh, and I'm curious, I know that you can't speak for all women, but from your perspective, what are your thoughts on some of the, those more nihilistic films that have violence inflicted on women and it it does not end in a satisfactory way? Yeah, that's it's a really good question, actually. And I think it's something that maybe on a moral level I've I've often toyed with because I'm like, <laughs> should I should I be what should I like this? Like, should I be interested in these kinds of films when, you know, I think you're right, like a lot of unfortunately, a lot of extreme films, you know, there is a lot of um violence and often sexual violence towards women in the films. And I think from my viewpoint, like I I see a difference between films that are perhaps quite, you know, male gaze and gratuitous and feel like they were made for someone to sit at home, you know, masturbating at their TV screen in their basement versus films that have been made because it's a film, it's a piece of fiction, it tells a story. And yes, you know, I guess a film like Tumbling Doll of Flesh, I do probably watch it and go, hmm. It's not really the greatest portrayal of, you know, treatment towards women. But at the same time, you know, for me, it's a horror film. It's, you know, it's designed to be frightening and it's designed to make me feel uncomfortable. And I think that's what I kind of like about those films is it's like pushing my personal boundary and I think you know for women watching we like nasty stuff just as much as the rest and you know this is a conversation that Kelly and I often have because we we do watch a lot of these films where like you know women are getting dissected hacked apart they are the subject of of violence um and like you said there's no kind of canuppance at the end of it but at the end of the day you know it is just a film and I think you know a lot of the filmmakers if it doesn't 
feel like it's coming from a misogynistic viewpoint then for me like I don't have a problem with watching it I do know some other people you know I do know some other women and they don't particularly like perhaps how violent these films are but you Mm. know they're I'm like hey you know they're not films for you then I think slasher films are quite sexist in you know their portrayal but a lot of people adore them a lot of women adore that as well I think if you can find a way to separate you know fiction and and films that are are just made because they're a film because you know why the hell not I think um I think then you can find a bit more enjoyment enjoyment in it yeah yeah definitely and I and I, I you may not uh have the share the same feeling but I feel like um reality can be brutal and cruel and it doesn't and it doesn't always have a happy ending in fact a lot of times it doesn't and I think that there's something cathartic for an artist to just explore that and you're obviously working with it's all consensual with the 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 actors and actresses and stuff and yeah we're gonna tell a really brutal story because reality reality is can also be brutal you know and I think that there's almost like a catharsis to that's like a safe way to explore the darker parts of humanity in a sense when you watch a movie where everybody just fucking dies at the end um <laughs> yeah so. absolutely I mean I I often think I had a co- conversation with um Adam uh Ramia who made uh the bunny game which you know the bunny game gets a lot of stick online for violence against you know the female character in it but when I spoke to Adam, the interesting thing was that the the actress um, within the film, it was actually her idea to do this film because she was actually a victim of a, an abduction, uh, rape, kidnapping kind of um, scenario. Very, very bad, you know, and she had a lot of trauma from that and creating that film and actually doing all of the things in the film herself and actually you know being branded for real letting you know having the violence done to her within that film was her way to kind of process the trauma of the real life event that had happened to her so whilst you're kind of going does that make any sense you know as you were mentioning reality's worse it's yeah it's like a, a way to kind of get it all out there yeah, I think I think for a lot of people, it's almost like therapeutic, like I'm going to I've got this real life thing that I went through and I'm going to explore it in a safer way uh, yeah. down the road, you know. Um, so moving on to your podcast. So I want to before we get into your most current podcast, I want to talk about um, you starting uh, Zobo with a shotgun and and uh, and how that all got started and and what you can tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. Um... Oh, it seems like ages ago now that I did, did that podcast. But that was, I mean, at the time, uh, I think I often have this problem, like I love writing, but sometimes, you know, you can, I find myself, I fall in and out of love with writing. Some, you know, some months I'm like, oh, it's amazing. I'm super creative. I've got all of these things. Other weeks I'm like, I can barely write my name, let alone an article. Um, So when it came to the podcast, I... I was just really keen again to continue kind of talking about extreme horror films and um it's still a very niche subject uh whilst obviously I think it's kind of grown in popularity and I, I see more people kind of 
dipping their toes into extreme and being like, oh, what's what's that all about? Like, I think it will always be very niche. It's a particular <laughs> type of horror. And, you know, it's one that I also can often be like, yeah, I, I completely understand why a lot of people do not want to touch that with a barge pole. Like, I get it. Um, so setting up the podcast, you know, I was like, I would just love to look at a bit of it kind of started with looking at like the history of extreme um cinema because I'd spent so many so long looking at stuff on the internet I was like I've got all of this knowledge about you know uh for instance you know how it could be stemmed back to the Grand Guignol theatre in in Paris and um how that was potentially the start of this kind of like extreme way to present like media or theater or or film and I was like but what do you do with this information and I found when I was researching myself that it was quite hard to find you know the information on extreme cinema you really had to dig deep to find it um and I also noted that noticed that you know a lot of the information was written by uh men there wasn't many women that were talking about it and I I won't name the book, but I bought a book about the history of extreme and I found it. I I threw it in the bin because whilst it had some good information, it was written very, very badly towards women. Um, And I was like, "Eh, that's not kind of, you know, what we want. So with the podcast, I was like, it would just be great to explore the the history of extreme cinema, to look at, you know, where it started, some of the films that perhaps we've been finding throughout each decade. And I guess I was kind of, you know, aiming it for someone else like me who was out there going, oh, what extreme films are there in the 60s versus the 70s? You know, how did they become different? Are there any kind of hidden gems out there? Um, And it did really well. You know, lots of people were like, oh, thanks. This is great. Uh, I think when I first started it, I was I was still a bit uh, I think I was still kind of learning podcasting. So, you know, editing was not my strong point. I made a lot of mistakes. Um, And then over the years, I kind of realized as well that doing a a single person podcast is really difficult um, because it's quite hard to have chemistry with yourself. And, you know, it often can feel like a bit of a monologue. So then I then I kind of progressed it into um getting lots of guests on on the podcast and talking to them about their favorite extreme films and having people like you know Stephen Byro from Unearthed Films come and talk about uh the American guinea pig films I had uh other people come and talk about like Salo a Serbian film and it was when I started talking to other people about extreme that I was like oh now it's even more fun to discuss it with someone else and that's kind of where it started moving towards uh talking about the podcast and talking kind of about the history of of extreme cinema um you had my my friend we have a mutual friend uh jesse sites um she's done a lot of the special effects for my films um but i know that you were on her documentary beyond horror kind of talking about the history of that and um what can you tell us about that experience being a part of that that documentary yeah um that was when so that was when I was actually also doing a um a little YouTube uh 
I guess you call it like a YouTube show kind of thing um, with my co-host Chris Niles from London Horror Society uh, and we were looking at extreme films on that it was called The Unrated Cut I think you can still find the episodes and it was basically I loved extreme <laughs> him not so much we got together we watched it he had a bad time I had a great time <laughs> basically which is a fantastic kind of setup um, and yeah we were both on uh, the Jesse's documentary which was it was a great experience I think you know Jesse's obviously a fantastic uh, person in the extreme cinema world I love you know I've connected with her a few times she also um, came on the podcast to do a, an interview alongside Marcus as well she's just super super lovely um, very hard working you know great to see a, a woman in extreme horror and yeah being on the documentary was was great I think you know being able to kind of talk more about the you know the subgenre um of extreme cinema and seeing that you know it's popular enough and there's enough people out there wanting to be in a documentary was really really great yeah yeah um so with uh you're, you're you've you've said that you uh have transitions over with a shotgun to a, a newer podcast that you're working on um what can you tell us about that yeah, so we've transitioned it. So basically, it kind of got to a standpoint where I just I, I didn't didn't have the time to kind of do the the outreach for podcasting, um, and you know, pulling together all the show notes and everything can be it can be quite extensive to do. Uh, and me and Kelly had been, you know, we were always kind of connecting with each other, like, oh, we're extreme friends, you know, across the other sides of the world. Um, and I knew her podcast had been listening to I Spit on Your podcast for a while, always kind of admired her. Um, and Kelly just reached out to me and she was like, you know, I I've seen you, you've kind of stopped your podcast for now. Uh, and she was like, I'm looking for, you know, another creative outlet. What would you think about uh, partnering and kind of, you know, changing it so it's it's two of us which you know me meant that we could take a bit of the workload off one another um and we came up with the concept of obviously lots of episodes me and kelly are together uh and we talk about a particular horror film extreme horror from our kind of our topic or theme uh for the season so for instance at the moment we're looking at found footage uh extreme horror because I was like, it's my favourite, let's do it. Uh, and we have already planned out, I mean, we've gotten a little ahead of ourselves. We've already planned out, I think it's like 25 <laughs> seasons, which is taking us, you know, we're looking at the next 20 years uh, doing this podcast. Um, but we do those kind of regular episodes where we come together and we discuss one or two films that fit within the theme. And then we also do our shock talks. Um which is where we sometimes we do it together but we also sometimes do it separately so that you know we can kind of balance workload um and we get a guest on to come and talk about one of their favorite extreme films so we recently um we recently had a, an interview with Fred and Shelby Vogel uh, talking about August Underground, of course, um, which was, I'm not going to lie, it was a bit of a fangirl moment for me. I was like, oh my God, I was like, if I could go back and tell 
little 19 year old me who was there going like what is this August underground being like one day you'll speak to to Fred and, and Shelby um yeah so we we kind of have interviews with different people like that and yeah for us it's been a I mean we're loving it like me and Kelly we get so excited um and you know we just get so into talking about like the extreme films but I feel like we always kind of try to approach it with you know I guess we like for instance we don't just run through the movie we try to make sure we bring insight and analyze the films and pick out you know themes and topics that really kind of like matter to us and dive a bit deeper into that we do also sometimes just talk absolute rubbish and make weird jokes uh which is also fun as well um so you said that right now you you guys are kind of focusing on uh the genre of found footage um what you so you you interviewed Fred and Shelby um what other found footage films are you covering and then also what are just some of your favorite films of the genre as well yeah so we have covered oh my memory's gonna (laughs) serve me well now so we've covered um Megan is Missing was one of the films we covered which is one of my favorite uh found footage extreme films just because it takes such a twist (laughs) in the movie and I do love telling people to watch it and then being like I'm so sorry I've ruined your whole day but it's a great movie though that's a that's Um, a good example of uh, us talking about not happy endings that movie's ending is not is pretty intense (laughs) it is like one of the worst endings ever it's yeah it's such an upsetting film um so we spoke uh we spoke about that one then we also spoke about the Poughkeepsie tapes um which is an interesting film it's probably neither of our favorites but I feel like it's one that a lot of people have used to kind of get a bit closer um to extreme horror without I guess without going too far into the depths of of those films um Kelly spoke to Kelly McNeely about Atroz which is a really brutal brutal film I, I re-watched it um I wasn't on the episode but I re-watched it at the same time and I was like ah, I think I I think I blocked a lot of that film <laughs> out of my mind if I'm honest like it's it's nasty. I think I put it up there with um, a Serbian film in terms of like what it shows. Then recently I had uh, Martin Trafford, who I know you've had on your on this podcast as well. I had Martin Trafford on to talk about Cannibal Holocaust. Um, of course, we had to talk about, you know, the OG film. Uh, then we also spoke about um, Lucifer Valentine's A Perfect Child of Satan, uh, which I really loved. Never been a huge fan um, of lots of his works. I think, as I said to uh, Kelly, uh, I'm not a vomiting fan and I just associate everything uh, with Valentine with with vomiting. But A Perfect Child of Satan was really, really good. I really liked that film. Um, and then... We've obviously covered the August Underground films with Fred and Shelby Vogel, but Kelly and I, uh, at the end of this month, we have an episode where me and her deep dive um, properly into the full trilogy. 
Um, and then in terms of some of my favorites, I mean, I think for me, one of, one of my go-tos is uh, always Tumbling Doll of Flesh. That's, I remember seeing that and I was just like, oh my God, this is, I still think it's probably the worst one I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, that movie is a, a punch in the gut for sure. Um, but that I was in, uh, intrigued that you brought up Pockets, the Pockipsky tapes because I don't think people talk about that very much. And I do agree. I think it is a good like entry point into extreme cinema. Like it's kind of like a stepping stone. Like it's gnarly enough that if you watch it and you go, oh, you, do you like that feeling? You can get you can dive deeper if you want. Or if you don't like that feeling, you know, like, oh, OK, that's uh, that's too far for me. Um, so what's the next genre that you guys are thinking about covering once you have moved past uh, found footage? Let me check, because I actually, I can't remember because we have so many. Um, but what we've been, we've obviously been using, um, I think it's Quality Violent Cinema Podcast, mm -hmm. um, who created like a bit of a kind of, I guess it's like a mind map of, of some different topics. Um, so we were looking at that. Uh, and going based off some of those and there's some I mean there's some topics that I really didn't even think uh, at all were going to be um, on there okay so some of the other some of our other seasons I've found my spreadsheet now we have uh, cannibalism is the next season that we'll be covering then we have short extreme films we've got cat three slash Asian cinema splatter grindhouse rape revenge necrophilia <laughs> originals versus remakes torture porn i mean the list goes on me and kelly have we've gone wild <laughs> well that's re that's really cool um so i'm curious as, as just like fan fan to fan of uh extreme cinema what are some of your favorite subgenres? you talked about like category three films there's like the french extremity stuff there's found footage there's rape revenge um what are some of your like favorite go-to genres and then films in particular um i mean i really like um so one of the other topics we have is like more kind of disturbing drama so i guess kind of less less steeped in like the gore and the violence but more just on a level where you feel like really uncomfortable. I would say the film that, and everyone always says to me like, why have I seen this film so many times is um, Snowtown, uh, which I don't like, I don't know why I've seen it so many times. I just, I think it's so good at not really showing you anything, but making you more disturbed than a lot of the kind of like more brutal films that you see on screen. Um, I also, I really, really love, I love rape revenge films. Um, I Spit on Your Grave is like one of my favorite films of all time. I mean, it gets, it gets quite a bad rep and I understand why. And, you know, I did also uh, watch, uh, what was it? Mayor's Archie's, uh, he did a recent I Spit on Your Grave film and it was, it was pretty awful. Um, and I was quite upset that kind of took away from the original. But I think, yeah, Rape Revenge is a really interesting um, topic. I also love, uh, within within that kind of subgenre, I also love Miss 45, 
that's a great film. Uh, I know Jesse is a big fan of Jesse actually suggested um, that fact that film to me, and I really loved that one. Um, then other kind of sub uh, other kind of genres within it are I really quite enjoy um, more kind of like I guess the the torture porn ones that are just straight up torture. You know, I was a big fan um, of Hostel when it came out, which maybe not as disturbing as some of the other films out there but for me that's like a that's like a Friday night feel good film <laughs> but on a hostel I'm like you know it's dumb everyone's an idiot in that film but you also get like a good amount of torture but it's not too much you know um and then you know kind of other torture porn films as well I think I would kind of put films like, you know, August Underground um, within that that category. Like, I think it kind of goes towards the torture porn, but obviously it's a bit it's a bit bit heavier than the likes of something like Hostel. Um, and then I am a big, big fan of uh, films like a Serbian film. That's probably one of my top films ever. Uh, not sure. Not sure what kind of sub genre that lives in. Um, but maybe kind of, I think Kelly uh, calls it cultural extremism. So films like a Serbian film, uh, Pasolini's uh, Salo is also a film I love, um, Atroz as well, kind of um, Trauma, another film that I think kind of fits within that realm. Um, and then the other film that's like my... I mean, I'm obsessed with it, uh, which fits with more within like necrophilia is necromantic. I am obsessed with that film. I have it tattooed. I have a million posters. I cried when I met York Butker. I, I was like, oh, I mean, I was very drunk, but I was like, I love you so much. Necromantic is my life. Um, he couldn't speak English. so He had no idea what I was saying, but I, I was super happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that film, too. Like the score is just amazing. Um yeah, I've, I I plan on getting a tattoo of that too. I'm working on like a whole horror movie sleeve and uh, I definitely Ooh. want to get one of those. Yeah. Um, speaking of like you talk, you talk, talking about like necromantic, talking about a Serbian film, talking about rape revenge. What do you think um, is the relationship between sexuality and violence? That's something that's really common within uh, extreme cinema. And uh, why do you think that that is such that this relationship is so like intertwined? I think because I think, you know, when you think of like sexuality or um, any kind of like sexual aspects, it's very taboo. It's whilst it's something that, you know, we, we all do, we all know, we all, you know, partake in it for the most part. I feel like it's the one kind of topic that just will always be a taboo topic. People, it's, you know, keep it behind closed doors. It's a very kind of like secretive thing. It's, you know, for instance, I was I was having a conversation with someone the other day about how the fact that most people, you know, if you told them you had a, a fetish for, let's say, feet, no one really cares, right? I mean, you do you as long as you're not harming anyone. But it's it's just taboo for no reason. You know, we're kind of like, oh, but you just you just wouldn't go out there and start sprouting that information around. So I think when it comes to 
sexuality and violence it pairs together so well because you instantly kind of get the the uncomfortability from from the sexual aspects combined with this very visceral aspect which comes from the violence so I think when you pair it together there's nothing quite as bad as those two things together there's certain kind of you know like if you think of of rape it's I think it's one of the worst things you can show on screen um you know akin to something like uh, pedophilia another one that but again it has that sexual element in it if you kind of remove that it almost doesn't feel as depraved as when you have sexual violence it's the one thing I think that everyone finds really really uncomfortable and tough to see on screen mm -hmm. yeah I think that's true I think uh violence is obviously a social taboo and and sex in a lot of ways is a social taboo and I think that you, you're taking the two like largest social taboos and kind of putting them together um but talking kind of talking about like some of that some of those territories that have been covered in extreme cinema like uh pedophilia kind of with um a Serbian film and just like extreme sexual violence do you where do you believe that there is some kind of like moral line that that shouldn't be crossed when it comes to extreme cinema and if you do think that there's a moral line where do you think that line is I love this question because I don't think there's a moral line <laughs> <laughs> I I mean for me and and I can see why people would say you know do we need to do we need to call this uh you know put a moral line in and I think you know when I watched um when I watched trauma uh I was like mm, I was like maybe it is actually getting towards that line where I'm like mm, maybe we need to stop but I think you know I think for me if if you start putting in moral lines it becomes very bl blurry in terms of what you can and what you can't do you know film at the end of the day is a piece of art and I think as long as you know it was created with good intentions with consent from everyone and you know everyone creating that piece of art is you know they're very aware of the final kind of outcome of what you're creating what will be put on screen um and I think you know if there's trigger warnings given or if a friend, you know, like if I recommend a film to someone, I'm like, just FYI, this has animal abuse or child abuse. If you don't like that, don't watch that. Um, so I don't think there's a moral line that we should draw because everyone's everyone's morals are so different that if, you know, who would be the person that kind of goes, well, that is the line because my line is very different to a lot of people's lines. You know, my line's over here, theirs is there. If we stopped at that line, we would never have films like a Serbian film. And, you know, what shame it would be if we had to kind of censor the world to keep everyone happy. If you, you know, I'm like, if you don't like what's in the movie, you can just watch Shrek. That's a great movie, too. You can watch that instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking again from from um, a woman's perspective, specifically your perspective, what is your thought on a film like a Serbian film? I feel like that film has some pretty like misogynistic elements within it and there's a there's extreme sexual violence and that also doesn't have like a, pr a pretty ending um so how do you do you feel do you feel like that film's misogynistic do you feel like that film is harmful to, to women 
I I actually don't. I actually think um, I think whilst there are some misogynistic portrayals in the film, I I personally feel there's a big difference between showing misogyny in film versus a film being misogynistic. Um, I think you know the purpose of a Serbian film is to have those elements in there to I think to raise awareness of um, the porn industry and the sex industry and that you know I think now it's in a much more positive position if you look at things like let's say OnlyFans where you know sex workers are empowered to create their own content in a safe space they have control over the way they are being portrayed on on you know online the kind of content that's going out there but I think if you look historically at the sex industry you know treatment of women has not been great and I feel like a Serbian film just accurately portrays that but doesn't kind of steer it in a way that is necessarily misogynistic and I think the film also does a really good um, portrayal at showing like toxic masculinity as well. And that, you know, whilst yes, uh, the porn industry can be misogynistic towards women, I think actually what you see in a film like a Serbian film is it can also be really bad towards men and like men's mental health and putting them in really bad, dangerous positions and forcing them to feel like they have to be these, you know, big bravado men that aren't in touch with their feelings and it's all about you know having a big dick and having sex whereas actually as as you see in a Serbian film like Milos the main character he he is the opposite of what you expect someone to work in an industry like that so I think on the surface it's easy to see a Serbian film as a film that you're like oh god that's not portraying anyone in a good light which you know in some ways it doesn't but I think you know if you look at a Serbian film a bit deeper and I've watched this film stupid amount of time I think there's so much to unpack that's actually got like quite a positive takeaway from it yeah yeah I agree I I, when I first saw the film I, I definitely felt like it was making commentary on some of the darker parts of the sex industry and like especially with the fact that it dives into the topic of pedophilia I almost felt like it was making commentary on the fact that you can look up like barely legal stuff on online like that whole genre exists or like the scene where he face fucks a girl to death I felt like that was kind of commentary on like max hardcore kind of stuff um I just felt like it was kind of uh almost exaggerating things that really do exist within within pornography um in 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 a dark light for sure um kind of continuing continuing on uh kind of like the the lens that your work uh is looking through with with women and non-binary people um I feel like if you look at the history of extreme cinema it's pretty dominated by men but I think now um, a lot of people like a lot of people are able to pick anyone can pick up a camera now so now we're starting to see people who are who are women or lgbtq people or people from minority groups now um picking up the camera and now directing things and so where do you think the future of it in regards to extreme cinema is going with um people that aren't men basically 
Yeah, I think um, I think there's so much opportunity and I think it goes for, you know, horror in general as well, not just extreme is that I think, you know, it's always and, and you know, for, to some extent, it always will be. It's always been a, you know, quite a male dominated kind of genre, um, you know, and I think there's there's definitely always going to be less women that enjoy things like extreme cinema. Um, and horror in general I think it's just kind of the way the world is but I think now as you mentioned you know we are seeing more and more people kind of pick up the cameras get behind um, making these extreme films and I think that we're almost kind of I think a lot of women and um, non-binary people in in the industry are also breaking down the taboo that does kind of surround being you know a woman and going I love a rape revenge film because there has been a bit of a a stigma around that and I think you know by talking about it and continuing to kind of talk about and have you know journalists and critics and filmmakers be like women can like rape revenge films and we can also make them too and we can probably make them from a better viewpoint you know and perspective because it's you know the violence is is from our our lived experience um and i think you know through kind of evolution we're getting more and more towards that and i think you know when looking at extreme cinema for instance i know um mentioning jesse again she's working really hard on a on a new film uh called fucked which is you know all women um and and non-binary i believe uh directors creating you know extreme cinema and I think that's amazing to see and you know there'll be people like me and Kelly literally cheerleading from the side being like yeah this is what we wanted more of this and you know that's the reason why for instance when we interviewed Fred uh, Vogel we're really keen to get Shelby involved as well because she's not done many interviews or anything but we were like Shelby was just as involved as Fred in that process and you know hearing her talk and be like oh yeah you know uh I love it more than Fred I'm you know I'm the disturbed one here I'm that's kind of what I think we need more of and the more you see you know women or non-binary people creating these extreme films I guess more people will go oh I want to do that too you know they'll get inspired by it um and I think it's great you know I think it means that we can have an abundance of of extreme cinema from men from women from non-binary people and we get to hear you know these these depraved nasty stories but all from different viewpoints it will you know I think it's only going to kind of enrich the landscape of extreme cinema and make it more exciting yeah yeah I agree um and that's great that you brought up fucked because uh I'm actually in the process of working with Jesse on distributing that movie so that's going to be coming out hopefully this year through through my stuff and as someone who's seen it it's like it's pretty awesome so um Another question that I have is, uh, as someone who is knowledgeable about about these films, if there was someone listening right now who was like, I really want to dip my toes in the water and learn about extreme cinema, explore this kind of stuff, what advice would you give them for someone who's just starting out? <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> Be careful with what you Google uh, on your computer, for sure. Um, I am pretty worried a lot of the time about uh, getting <laughs> some weird stuff on my computer. I think my kind of big piece of advice would be know what your 
know what your boundaries are or find your boundaries quite quickly. I think, you know, some of us, I mean, like me, I've, I'm, my boundary was when I watched um, a Roscoe the Embalmer and I just was like, you know what, I don't like real stuff. I can't watch it. I can't stomach it. I got five minutes in. I was like, this is making me want to just bury myself alive. So I turned it off. I was like, I'm done. That's, it's not for me. I don't need to watch it. And I think it's really important to find where that boundary lies because, you know, when it comes to extreme cinema, there are going to be things that you might see that you go, oh my God, like I want to bleach my eyes out. Some of it, you're okay with it. You're like, you know, I think I watched Where the Dead Go to Die and I was like, I'm a, I'm a changed person, but it didn't, <laughs> you know, it didn't give me trauma. Whereas I think, you know, some films, there are going to be things in there that, you know, could potentially be really triggering, really upsetting. And actually, you know, if you know what you don't want to see on screen, you can approach films and find ones that you enjoy and that are going to work for you. You know, I know a lot of people don't want to watch Cannibal Holocaust because it has animal cruelty in. And, you know, fair enough. Like, if that's where you draw your line, you don't have to watch Cannibal Holocaust. You can watch lots of other fantastic extreme films um, that don't have any animal cruelty in them at all. So I think that's kind of my other piece of advice. And then I would say also, like, just connecting with other people and asking them for recommendations because I think when you're trying to find extreme cinema and you start off it can be really difficult to find kind of the films that are maybe good or maybe films that are a little bit lesser known you know I think some of the films that I've seen that I've enjoyed the most um, lots of them are quite you know they're hard to find they're a bit more indie or they're made by indie filmmakers um, and you know they're probably not going to be as well known as, as your Serbian film which is going to come up immediately when you google disturbing movies so you know finding other people in the the community and asking them for their recommendations and you know also saying hey I don't like animal cruelty, but I love, you know, found footage. What can you recommend? You'll find, you know, someone can give you some really good gems to watch. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really good advice. I mean, it's a it's a whole world and there's so many different things out there and you kind of need, need to know where your, your limits are. Um, uh, before we really come to a close, is there anything that you would like to discuss that we haven't covered? Do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on? Um, I, what have I been working? I feel like every time I get asked this question, <laughs> I'm like, what have I done recently? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> um, I'm working on, so for Ghouls Magazine, we're working on some exciting things for the year at the moment we're in talks um we're hopefully going to be doing um some film screenings this year uh in london and maybe up north here in the uk um as well that will be super fun i just finished um literally five minutes before we spoke a review um on Alex Hernandez's justine um which is a recent extreme horror film um it's his adaptation of Marco Dessard's novel, Justine, and the film is beautiful. Very, very good. I highly recommend it. It's coming out 
I think from Tetro videos quite quite soon. That's really good. I'm working on some special features with uh, unearthed films. So I'm not allowed to say what the special features are yet, but I'm getting to talk to some people that I'm like, oh God, I'm going to get so nervous doing this. So <laughs> I'm really excited um, about that project. That's going to be really, really cool. Then Kelly and I are always, you know, always getting drunk and watching extreme films, but we're going to be talking about um, August Underground soon. And then uh, hopefully I will get the next person on the podcast for Shock Talk, which is yourself, Jonathan, <laughs> um, which we need to organize. Uh, and then what else is going on? I have a few essays um, coming up this year and a couple of audio commentaries for uh, DVDs, um, which are I'm not allowed to say what films they are, but they're uh, they're within the new French extremity realm and a couple are extreme. So, yeah, just uh, I think at the moment I'm just like, give me as much extreme nasty stuff as possible and I'll do it. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Sounds like you've got a, a pretty good year ahead of you, honestly. A lot of a lot of good stuff. Well, for people who are listening who want to check uh check you out, what are your socials? How can people get a hold of you? How can they check out your stuff? Yeah, of course. Um, I am personally across every social media channel that you can find because I'm a social media whore, but I'm so boat with a shotgun on all of the channels. Um, and then if anyone would like to also check out Ghouls Magazine, we're just Ghouls Magazine um, on the social channels as well. So super easy to find. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking time to for us to talk and I'll, uh, I'll be talking to you again soon. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Uneasy Train Explorers Club podcast. This podcast is the product of Putrid Productions which also produces my YouTube channels, Cinema's Underbelly, where I analyze and review extreme underground cinema, as well as my channel, Murderbilia Show and Tell, where I share pieces of true crime relics from my personal collection and tell the stories behind them. Additionally, Putrid Productions also has its own distribution label, Vile Video Productions, where I release my films as well as the movies of other filmmakers within the extreme horror underground. So if you want to keep the putrefaction going, make sure to check out these other endeavors, as well as keeping a lookout for upcoming podcast episodes. Till next time, I'm Jonathan Doe, and this is the Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club podcast. <laughs>